Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Joshua Khan with the news. Tonight, all of Dairy will be watching as our very own Ben Graham makes his national TV debut competing on fun guns. What was first thought to be a gun-related talent competition has since been revealed as a one-on-one duel using firearms manufactured by toy companies. We'll all be rooting for you, Ben, in tonight's bout, Mattel versus Fisher Price. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I am one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What up, constant readers? And today we are covering part two of The Running Man. We are reading the rest of the book. Uh, so major spoilers ahead if you, for some reason, are listening to the second episode and haven't <laughs> read any of the book. Yes. And we have Josh leading us through our discussion. All right, guys. Let's jump into where we picked off, off uh, from the last episode. A uh, quick summary of what has happened thus far. Ben Richards is competing on a game show called The Running Man, where basically he is trying to survive for a month without being killed to win a bunch of money. And every hour he stays out, he makes more money. And he has made some alliances. He has learned about some pollution. He's learned about social changes. And he has fled his current safe haven of a hotel he was put up in and heading for Portland. And that is where we catch up. So we uh, joined Ben Richards. As I said, he's arrived in Portland. The, the address that he was given. And we meet Virginia Paracas. Virginia is Elton's mom. And Elton is the the contact that he's supposed to be making. And Virginia lets him in despite not wanting to at first. But then she said he says that he's here to see her son. So she lets him in. And this woman is just unpleasant. She's horrible. <laughs> uh, she's a very Stephen King character. She's uh, she has a catchphrase. <laughs> she has uh, just incredibly unpleasant personality. Mm hmm. In fact, both of them do, I would say. Uh, Elton, too? And Elton. Because they're not so much people as they are caricatures. Yeah, I was was glad that we didn't have to deal with either of them for a long time. (laughs) Same. That makes me so sad about Elton, though, because he sacrificed himself. Like, he came through at the end. He does, and he, he almost redeems himself. He he makes the mistake of thinking that he can control his mom, and he, no one controls that lady. <laughs> yes, no, her she's very erratic the way she talks, and it's a perfect example of she's in the middle of just a rant, and then pieces together how she knows Ben's face, and midstream just grabs a knife and holds it at him, and like starts swearing at him that he she's gonna she's gonna kill him. Because he's this monster. And she's, af- yeah, she's doing it because she's afraid that something bad is going to happen to her son with this guy her, around. They, which they're going to send you to prison or worse. She's not <laughs> Which wrong. she says ten times. <laughs> right. She, she isn't. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't appreciate the way she went about it, but Lady was kind of right on. That's very true. <laughs> Luckily, Elton arrives in time to stop her from stabbing Ben in the face <laughs> and tries to talk his mother down. And they, they he takes 
Ben's car and he's like, um, I'm going to take you to my room. I'll be back. You'll be safe here. Don't worry. Uh, they're they're up in Elton's room and they're they're talking through like how he can help. And his mom busts in and is just like, I've called the cops. You have to get out of here right now. And he is torn between like Ben is ready to just go because mm. he doesn't want to risk it. And Elton's like, no, she would never do that. Mom would never do something so insane. But, but they hear <laughs> sirens literally immediately. Oh, yeah. Immediately, which I actually thought was pretty cool because that shows like they keep saying they're like Ben is hot. I was going to say, you know. has have the cops ever responded that fast? Exactly. To that neighborhood. Well, and they've, and I feel like the games commission has, uh, feels bad because Ben's kind of made a fool of them after the, what he worked out with Bradley with mailing the tapes. Mm-hmm. So they were doing door to door searches in Boston still there. Everybody was sure he was in Boston. And this is where we find out from Elton that Bradley is on the run. Right. Which is sad. We never know. What comes of that? That's very true. I would be interested to find out. We need to read Bradley's book. I know. <laughs> that is what we need. Once they hear the sirens, they run to the park where he is hidden the car. And we get in this like action sequence, basically, of uh, Elson trying to get the car and uh, and the cops chasing him. We get the first of the many, many injuries Ben Richards is about to undertake. This guy <laughs> survives sh- things that no one should survive. He should die multiple times <laughs> yeah. over by the end of the book. Yes. It's crazy. He uh, he dives out of the way. A, a cop is driving their car towards him, and he jumps out of the way, but the bumper hits him in the ankle. and oh. just Driving a gas car. A gas this car. Is, oh, yeah. A should, gas car and air cars. We should make yes. this distinction because it becomes uh, important. Yes. Uh, the car that... Rich Ben Richards is driving is, is an air car. It's a hover car. Their cop cars are all like traditional gas powered wheels on the ground vehicles. The air cars suck. Yes. <laughs> what the hell? What is the benefit of these air cars? Because they everything they do to describe them is like, oh, these things are shitty. They talk like the intake valves or whatever. Yeah. Say they, they use like, oh, it's if they get clogged, we'll go down to like 10 miles yeah. an hour. Super cool fucking sci-fi. You have a free television <laughs> and hover cars that blow. Like Truly a dystopian future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and I I really liked this, this action sequence. Like he, Ben's firing off shots. He, he, mm. Gets a lucky shot, shoots through the windshield, and kills one of the drivers of one of the cops. So another hundred bucks, right? Another, another hundred <laughs> bucks added to his list. And uh, they manage to get out of the way, or out of sight, and duck in an alley. You forgot he also gets shot in the shoulder. Oh, yes. Uh, with a whatever a Sten gun is. And when they dive into this alley, they're, they're going so fast that when they go into this alley, they crash uh, against like a bunch of trash and everything that's in this alley, and Ben breaks his nose. Like not just like little breaks it, but like he hits his head on the dash, and he just like mentions that he heard the break, oh. and then his whole face is just covered in blood. So right now he has a possibly broken ankle. He's been shot, and he has a broken nose. He did a definitely broken ankle. He says it's shattered. Even worse than what Ben uh, happens in this crash. They don't describe it as being that bad because he gets out and, like, has to unclog the air intake (laughs) so their air car can fly away. (laughs) Uh, So the car is still in one piece. And yet 
they crashed so badly that the steering column impaled Elton. Yeah. It it is inside of his torso. So it doesn't have airbags also. Yeah, it's <laughs> aircraft don't have super airbags. Unsafe. <laughs> Apparently the steering columns are sharp. <laughs> ben uh, manages like as he's god damn it. <laughs> as he's they're in this alley. He also like, he knows that the the cop that's chasing them is coming. He like gets out and pulls off just another insane miraculous shot, taking out uh, the car that was chasing them. And that's when he realizes, oh, I've killed two more cops. I guess that's two hundred more bucks. <laughs> and uh, he gets back in the car, and that's when he sees that Elton is just bleeding all over the place. And they head out because Elton says he knows a place where they can go, and that is Super Pine tree mall super pine tree mall yeah i can't i can't words words are hard super pine tree mall <laughs> there's no like there's no the good way pine. there's like just no good way to say that why did I you, was you should name that a tree mall yeah that's like, what i thought that's why it was trees. never finished and he tells him like this place was never completed the construction was never completed it should be safe and says basically i'm gonna drop you off here because they're still chasing me they're chasing us i'm gonna be the hare i'm gonna go and they can follow me and it'll give you time to hide basically and he gets in the driver's seat and takes off leaving ben there and it is i think he says something to the effect of like it's the coldest night he's ever been outside for basically mm-hmm. would you guys think of his strategy for surviving in the in the mall uh, didn't he just like he climbs into a cellar and just wraps himself in shit, right? <laughs> in insulation. In insulation. And then instead of grabbing the crutches from the car he just left, he has to use a makeshift crutch. Yeah, I actually liked that part because that, uh, I don't know, that the irony of, of that moment of he, he had, <laughs> had crutches and then he broke his ankle and he's like, well, oh, fuck. Foreshadowing. He shouldn't have bought the crutches. Probably wouldn't have busted his ankle. That's, I know that's not how that works, Sam. Totally I don't how think, foreshadowing I don't, I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> I don't think you understand foreshadowing. Um, this book is really about destiny. <laughs> uh, well, you get what you put out. Exactly. It's uh, Chekhov's crutches. Anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I liked this part because he, he's... It, it's a bummer because he even thinks, he's like, Fuck, this would have been such a good place to hide <laughs> yes. out. Why couldn't I, like, if if Elton would have just been like, I know a place, I'll take you there, it would have probably worked out a lot better. Like if but, they would have gone immediately? Yeah. yeah things, instead of trying to hide his car. And- things went so fast mm-hmm. that uh, it wasn't an option. It I- was It was feeling safer because he, you know... He'd had this plan. He'd gotten out of the city mm. and all of that has fallen apart so fast. And he only got that far, in my opinion. I think he would have been dead long ago because of Bradley. For sure. He didn't ever have a plan. No. Brad- Bradley, with the the trick of getting him out and mailing him the tapes, is what saved him. Mm-hmm. And in this part, Elton. Uh, yeah. Because he, they would have found him if Elton hadn't been able to drive off and you find out uh, later that he drove he was able to make it 30 miles away yeah. before they they got him essentially good for him it was yeah it was impressive yeah. and and ben even i think ben even says something to the effect of like 
further than I thought he was going to get. Good yeah. for him. So Ben wakes up and realizes something very important. He has to mail two clips before noon, and he has no idea what plan what to do because he's been sleep- he was just sleeping in the cellar here, and he realizes he has three choices. One, he can do nothing and completely forgo making any more money, but they will still hunt him down until he's dead. He'll just stop making money at that point. Even if he does survive after the 30 days, yeah, they mm-hmm. will still hunt him and kill him, which is... That's I think stupid. that's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his second choice is to mail the clips uh, to Boston, which he knows that the hunters will likely intercept them, and he'll kind of still be in a bad space. Or he can mail them himself and likely be seen by somebody in town because all the chaos, everybody knows he's nearby. So they're keeping an eye out. And he gets saved by uh, another deus ex machina in the form of a dog. (laughs) And a little boy. Uh, Yeah. Mostly the little boy. The dog doesn't do a lot of helping. (laughs) The dog did not take the taste. To be fair. He, uh, Ben makes his way. He, He sees a mailbox, but there are so many people. And as he's still trying to figure out what he's going to do, I think at this point he's like, I'm just have to going to have to go. And if they see me, I'll just have to kill everybody. <laughs> like that's that's where he's resigned himself to. And then he hears a kid yelling after his dog. What did you think of, uh, of Ben's, I guess, Ben's plan with this kid, how that came came around? I thought it was interesting because he lies to the kid at first, obviously. And then he realizes his mistake the kid kind of you know gives him that side eye like "Eh, i don't know why but there i don't believe you and so then he questions whether his plan is going to work so he's like no 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 come back here hey i'm sorry well and then he lies to the kid again (laughs) 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 but there's there's more truth in his next lie which is that he works for the government and these guys are chasing him Mm -hmm. and so then the kid buys that and he is going to mail the tapes for him which is pretty cool yeah yeah, uh, this part just bugged me. It, was that? Because it was such a deus ex machina, it didn't feel believable. It was just, it felt like uh, King was like, shit, I <laughs> just remembered that he has to mail in these tapes. How am I going to do this? No, no, and it might there's have been... a kid, the one kid in the world that just so happens <laughs> to not know who this guy is, I guess. No, I, I actually buy it, though, but only because of this stuff with Stacy and Bradley. Ben, if we look at how far he's come and how he's gotten there, it was, he, he's useless. And mm. everybody around, he's just been so lucky to run into all these people. So I believe it just as much as I believe when he ran into Stacy and Stacy's older brother, Bradley just happened to be this like awesome superhero guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, we've, we've played this game before of, you know, the suspension of disbelief because yeah, if things happen because they have to happen. And that was kind of my thought with this is that sure King could have written it that he sneaks up and drops the tapes in and then goes on. But like, what's interesting about that? Like giving him this like standoff where he might have to kill a kid and his dog is a little more interesting than him sneaking into uh, a gas station. I actually it's- thought the kid was going to be more prominent. I thought he was going to go home with him and. Like, hide him in his basement or something. <laughs> Have another <laughs> like one of those. stranger things. <laughs> yeah. But uh, instead of him going home with this child and hiding out in his place, he carjacks a woman. He he hides out at an intersection, and How? this woman pulls up, and he jumps in her car, and before she knows what's going on, he's got the gun on her and says, drive. 
Oh, I guess I we should point out that when he I think it's when he has that conversation with the kid, he asks the kid where the nearest airport is or nearest jet port. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tells him like a hundred miles. Yeah, the in a little city called Derry. Cl- yeah. what, what's what's the name? D- Derry. I don't think I heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Our home sweet home. <laughs> uh, uh, I was very excited to get a Derry name drop in this. <laughs> uh, we find out that the the woman in the car, her name is Amelia Williams. And this is the scene where he finds out from her that she saw in the news that Elton made it so far. And he says, basically, he's like, you're going with me to this airfield uh, because I need I need protection and you are going to be my human shield. And you know what? She doesn't seem seem too psyched about it. No, she thinks that (laughs) he he picked her because she's a decent person and he's not. And he wants to destroy everything decent in the world. From this point on, the interactions between Ben and Amelia, I think might be the most interesting part of the book. Best part of the book. Yes. The interplay, because Amelia is this upper middle class, well off lady. She's just a regular person who uh, he says, you know, you can tell she hasn't been touched by the desperation. Desperation. Yeah. yeah, she he looks in her eyes and she says there's something missing there, and it's desperation. She doesn't she hasn't had to fight all her life. She's had a privileged life. Yeah. Having just the what they both think of each other mm-hmm. is really interesting. We'll get to this. I don't want to talk about it right now, but I just thought it was cool her her progression where she starts and I there was no specific moment that I picked up on where she changed her mind when she decided to stay with him I was like huh I didn't quite see that coming yet Mm -hmm. yeah she was definitely an interesting character I imagined her as we you know I keep referencing dystopian futuristic things I imagined her as uh from Hunger Games the people in the capital yeah. The people who just yeah. they believe everything the media tells them. Like she knows he's a bad dude because the freebie said so. Mm-hmm. And that's all she needs. Yeah, she's so far removed from that world that she can't even think for herself, can't make up her own mind about it. It's just, oh, whatever I'm fed, I eat. Right. And Ben in this this trip tells her what his plan is. They're going he's gonna get to the airfield. And he says, if any cops stop us, your job is to lean out the window, say you're a hostage, and uh, Ben Richards will kill you if they don't let him pass. And if nothing else, that'll give me some time to figure out what the hell to do next. Once again, he can't do any of this without <laughs> another character. Yes. <laughs> and he he gets by, like, there's a few cops that they just drive past, mm. and it, everything is kind of fine for several miles. They're free and clear. And then there's a roadblock. And as they approach that roadblock, the two police officers see into the car and they see Ben Richards and they pull out their guns. He she's like begging for him to let her go, which obviously he can't do. That's the only chip he has right now. And them, because she she does what he says is she leans out the window and says, hey, I'm being held hostage. You know, save me. And the cops don't give a shit no they mm-hmm. immediately open fire on the car which ultimately gives ben the one good idea he has in this book 
Which is slamming his foot on the gas. Well, <laughs> no, because I and I don't know if he realized this as, realized this at this moment or if it came to him later. But because you know she's sticking her head out there, like you said, she's giving the line, mm-hmm. and they are ready to kill them both because they don't care. And yeah. no one's around to see it happen. Mm-hmm. So Ben realizes I have to involve the media so yes. that there are witnesses. I have to kind of like play into this network. Which is such a good idea. Yeah, he uh in the first half of the book, the the host of the running man and uh the producers play up that hey, this is all for theater. This is all uh for the perceptions, what giving people a show. And yeah, him turning that mm-hmm. on uh, on the network is a really cool moment. Yeah. This scene is also where we get the uh, arguably the most important Ben Richards injury. <laughs> and he pulls over and he shoots the tires out of the cop car so they can't chase him. And he catches a bullet right in the stomach, mm-hmm. which is a wound that what again, another point of like, that should be it for Ben yeah. at this point. I've I've watched a little bit of stuff for some reason about <laughs> being shot in the stomach, and that's like the you need to get immediate medical attention or you are dead. Right. It can take a long time to die from a, a gunshot to the stomach, and it's going to be a painful one. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the worst ways they say like you can go as far as just like pain wise. So they make it away. They they get to this gas station, and that's when Ben calls and he talks to somebody on the tablet, this tabloid that he knows and just says, I've got a hostage. You make sure everyone knows if anybody tries to stop me, I'm going to kill her. And they take off back north and they notice he notices like he's like trying to stay low because he's afraid that somebody Mm. will take Mm -hmm. a shot at him. But he starts to notice that alongside the roads, the crowds are starting to form and just watch this car drive by. And, it was very reminiscent yes. of, uh, of <laughs> the another. Yes. Yeah. Maybe we're not to this point yet, but he also talks to her about the pollution. Like he's telling her about his yes. kid and why yeah. he got into this. And I think that's part of what kind of sways her eventually. But yeah, it's it's interesting her reaction because he's telling her all this and he's for once in this book, not really being a dick about it. No, not <laughs> he's at just all. very he's, matter of he's fact. Being very vulnerable. Yeah, because uh, I mean, he knows he's dead. Mm-hmm. I, I think at yeah. this point, he knows it's it's just a matter of time. But yeah, he's just matter of factly like, no, nah, I'm doing this because my kid's sick. Uh, you know, I was just I worked and then I wasn't working and I had to do this. Um. You know, pollution's guy met a five-year-old that had lung cancer and her reaction is just, I I refuse to believe this. Mm -hmm. Stop talking to me. Like she refuses at first to believe that the cops were shooting at her as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she thinks it's an accident. Yeah, Yeah, they accidentally fired their rounds into our car. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. They they finally make it, they, they crest this hill and at the bottom of the hill they see there are more cop cars there's an armored car and he says, keep going forward and stop like 50 yards away. And she does. She plays her hostage part. She leans out the window. She says everything that she's supposed to. And when they're stopped, six more armored vehicles pull in behind them. They have him completely blocked in. And I, for one, was just like, well, how the fuck are they getting out of this? <laughs> 
Uh, Weirdly. Interesting that you say weirdly. Why do you say weirdly? The cops are, like, blocking him in. They could easily take him out. Like, even with everyone watching, there are crowds uh, of people. And they're even, they're self-segregated. On one side of the road, it's the well-to-do people of this little uh, seaside town. And on the other side, it's the lower class, the mm-hmm. his people. But the, even with all them watching, the cops could take him out. Yeah, but they the news. But the, still, the cops smash the the camera. Yeah, but they. Yeah. But the network has a reputation to uphold. They can't kill an upper middle class woman. Sure, but like they could have had a sharpshooter. They could have had some. They could have taken him out somehow. Mm-hmm. The only reason they let him pass is because the crowd. Riots. Turns on. Yeah, the crowd riots because they are let him pass, let him pass. I didn't get it. Why the this whole book? The crowd has like the country wants him dead. The whole country, though, or just the upper class people? Because his people have to. A lot of them probably know better to some extent. I think the lower class people probably are indifferent. Well, that's, like, I mean, he's even just... told to stick with his people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because they're going to be the ones more likely to help him or care about his cause or uh, not turn him for, in. Uh, Mother Paracas. <laughs> right. I, I think the lower class are just as, if not more likely because they'll get paid for it. She's also crazy though. True. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I, it felt mm, like, uh, I don't know. It was a cool way to show, like, this class tension that exists in the country. Yeah. But it didn't feel really connected to what Ben was doing. I don't I don't know. I, I didn't get it. I thought it was more to the point that those lower class people still didn't really care about Ben. They cared about killing an innocent woman, no matter what class she was. Like, it, it was important to them that they couldn't see their trusted police officers taking down an innocent woman. And they, they just, that would, that's something like that is a social straw that would break the camel's back for them. And it kind of did because some, one person throws one rock at the police officers and then all hell breaks loose. And I, I think you actually summed it up perfectly when you said it, it speaks to the tension between these classes they're waiting and looking for any excuse. Anything is going to break that tension and it's just going to all go to hell. And in this chaos, he just tells her to drive and they just roll through. Now the cops have bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, now they have something else to do. <laughs> well, because like, there are hunters that can get Ben too, right? Sure. I mean, so I wonder at what point they have to say to themselves, okay, that's the network's problem. We got to chill this out here. Right. right. They're, I mean, they're local. They're probably local police. So. Yeah. Those are people they have to see. Mm-hmm. And Ben at this point also kind of recognizes that. And he says that he's waiting for a quote accident to happen. To take out Amelia. Right. That, that something's going to blow up their car. And, oh, a tragic incident mm. where something malfunctioned and their car exploded. Which kind of goes to your point, Ben. They could have taken him out. Yeah, exactly. They could have done it accidentally. <laughs> well, I, I wonder if they, the reason they didn't, try something like that then is because they didn't think the citizens would revolt the way they did. Mm. I would, I would say that when the cop smashes, the news camera is a sign of panic on their part. Yeah. And this is something that I I found really interesting. Amelia is freaking out, 
to put it lightly. And Ben flat out tells her to stop and get out and she's free to go. But she doesn't do that. She instead just turns the heat on because it's cold in the car and just keeps driving. Yeah. And that that's what I was talking about earlier. I didn't see that coming at this moment. I saw it coming later. Mm-hmm. It just happened faster than I thought that Ben had earned that from her. But I don't know, maybe being shot at by the people who are supposed to protect you does something. Well, and maybe seeing that riot, seeing how those people, the lower class people were defending her life Mm -hmm. also maybe resonated with her a little bit in a way that maybe she didn't know how to like verbalize. She's also uh, pretty fundamentally changed by this point because she's lived her whole life protected and safe And what Ben has done, taking her out of that life and showing, hey, you could die at any point. Uh, He describes it later that she's seen red. She Mm -hmm. uh, when she finally does leave our story, uh, he wonders, like, will she ever be the same person? I don't think she will. Not at all. And he doesn't even take her out of that. He just lifts the veil to show her you were never safe. They just let you think you were so that you would be compliant. Yeah. Well, now we've arrived in Derry. We're home. (laughs) And we get to the airfield and what's waiting for them at the airfield is a tank. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know tanks don't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) A tank just like with with a barrel pointed directly down at the car. I believe you mean it's shooter. It's just it's shooter. I didn't like that at all. What? (laughs) <laughs> he That's what he it. says in the book. Yeah, is, it's a is, tank with its shooter pointed directly is that at not them. A, is that, is I would not, not describe the thing? cannon on a tank as the shooter. Well, it's a I, we thing. didn't know what a stem gun was. So for out all out I it. know, That's this this is point. the official military <laughs> uh, nomenclature is the shooter. I don't know. I hope not, but it might be. <laughs> I like this. I liked Ben's next plan. He says that. He tells them that he wants to surrender to the airline police. And that's when we get a little segment where he basically says that it's this is bullshit. But some people think that because the airline police are governed by international law, that if you surrender to them, you'll get amnesty. He knows it's not true, but he's kind of double bluffing. Like, maybe they think I'm dumb enough to believe this. And it'll just buy more time. Because I think at at this point, he's really, he's just buying hours. He's just coming up with plans, like, as these things are happening. And I think, too, he even mentions, even if they don't think that I'm dumb enough to think that, they, you know, they're going to think that I'm, like, playing into this. You know, it's part of this production. And they know I know that this is like a a Hail Mary. Right. Yeah. Either way. It's he. They're he's gonna going to take the bait. Yeah, he's going into this thinking that this is his last stand. After a, a, a few moments of silence, he they call out to him and they say that they agree. They'll let him in, and he's supposed to go and park on lot sixteen. They'll be waiting to pick him up, and this will all be over, nice and clean. Then he tells her to stop. When they get in a little way, he's like, "Wait, stop." And they call over like, no, keep moving. Like, no, I want to talk to him. Give me a bullhorn. (laughs) So some guy just runs out and in the street, sets it down so they can pull up to it and grab it, which I thought was great. Why didn't they attach an explosive to that bullhorn? (laughs) That could have been that that was the accident. 
a yeah. freak <laughs> oh, blowhorn accident. Blowhorn. It's like one out of every 50. <laughs> they doctor all these stats like everybody knows one in 50 blowhorns just explodes on use. That'd been great. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a show. That'd be a network show. Yeah. They reach where their stopping point is. And Ben says that, says that he needs 10 minutes to think. He's got a plan and he knows that it's probably not going to work, but he's got to try something. And this is when Ben compares the running man to poker. What did you guys think of his his analogy, I guess, of his comparison of the ru- playing the running man to poker? Mm. Did it make sense at all, like, when he first said it? Yeah, it's <laughs> this weird... I, I it, It's, uh, there's a chapter break, and when it starts up, he's talking about poker. And right. I had to, like, stop and be like, wait, huh? Because he, and he's t- telling Amelia about this. He's just like, she's yeah, he's like, talking what's through his going plan out on? Yeah. And he's like, so... In poker, and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I had the same exact reaction. Yeah, that's it's why just I was this curious. Long extended metaphor that isn't really doesn't really add anything. Yeah, it, it just saying it's essentially he's gonna bluff. Like he could have yes, just been like, that is, I'm gonna bluff him. We we get what poker is, man. That very, was my problem. Very Stephen King. To, to explain everything. Very true. Yeah. Es- essentially, he's saying that the the quote unquote cards in his hand are the media, the uh, his hostage, uh, his ability to bluff, and what the actual bluff is. Essentially, so, yeah. so that's poker. Like, yeah, that's basically. I finally, poker. get it. I can play poker, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's talking about, I can bluff my way out. He just casually leans over and grabs her purse and tucks it into his shirt. <laughs> and I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was like, I cannot wait to find out what this bluff is. Does anybody want to talk about the bluff? It's uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I, I, I like it. Uh, he, he pulls out the bullhorn and he explains that they have 90 minutes to get him a fully fueled like 747, basically running on a skeleton crew on the tarmac and he's going to get on it and fly off. And if they don't, he is going to ignite the lump of plastic explosive that he has in his pocket. The purse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which he very cleverly uh, uses a purse. And he basically says that it's the grade of explosive it is will not only blow up everybody in the immediate radius, but it will ignite all the jet fuel and everybody in this airport's going up. And that is his bluff. PR disaster. Yes. And this is when we finally get the reveal of Evan McCone, who we learned about like in the Mm -hmm. first like 10 chapters, maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, Evan McCone, who is the head of the hunters shows up and calls his bluff. He's like, look, we know you don't have this. Like, that's insane. So just give up and we're going to take you into custody and we're going to do this thing. I I like the bluff because he says uh, he's like, I don't have this, obviously, (laughs) but I could have. Right. If he would have thought of it like he he could have gotten this back when he was buying the the fake ID in the beginning oh, of the yeah. book, which I think was that's why I think this is like kind of neat because it's so the back and forth of them playing off against each other, yeah. and it's 
it shows us <laughs> if he had ever had a plan, he could have pulled this off. Like he could have had good plans if he had thought things through even before he went to join the games. Yeah. He could have he could have arranged for um, fake IDs and stuff with Molly before he ever mm-hmm. applied. Had he not, if he had the money, yeah, sure. yeah. his uh, wife could have just gone out for a little bit. <laughs> yep, it's it's yeah, it's had Ben Richards given a shit about anything in mm-hmm. his life before yeah he could have been a revolutionary because he was content just to make enough money for his family for yeah. his daughter to get medicine there was no bigger picture until mm-hmm. he met bradley now there's only one way for him to get out of this bluff and that is to double down he tells amelia you're gonna i'm gonna let you go. You're going to get out and go to them, but you have to tell them, uh, tell them I have this. This is what it looks like. This is what the ignition switch looks like. Gives her every bit of detailed information she could need. She, meanwhile, does not want to hear any of it. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie. But she had no reason to. Yeah, she would have been safe. She goes and then they they call over and they say that basically that they believe him. So she did. She lied. And he knows that yes, she did say all this, but they are going to interrogate her and they are going to try mm-hmm. to break her. So he still needs to hurry. Yeah. Meanwhile, he hears the sounds of like engines turning on. So he knows that they're getting everything ready. Well, and one person does not believe her because yeah. he's never wrong. Yes. Evan McCone is steadfast that this is a bluff. And he's right. What, what do you guys <laughs> think of Evan McCone? Because what did you imagine versus what we got? Because I honestly love that. I loved it. I I was expecting somebody way more um, physically intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Evan McCone is mentally intimidating. <clears throat> yeah, it's leading up to it. All you ever hear is people saying, oh, Evan McCone and his hunters. You, they never describe him. They never need to. You just know he's a scary guy. And I, I wondered while I was listening to that, description of him if he is not more of an imposing figure and someone who mm-hmm. needs to be in top shape and have any sort of like really cool fighting skills that sorry I don't, like my image yeah. of him was totally he, different he knows kung fu right, yeah. duh. so i i had wondered if that was because it's a production mm-hmm. the network yeah you know if what he's I mean? even a real person if he's just a part yeah yeah uh, well, either way, yeah, you expect this, like, imposing big, scary, figure. imposing dude. And when we get him, he's kind of short. And I imagined him a little pudgy. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of imagined him like, uh, like a, a, what's it, Martin Freeman. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, ex- except maybe a little even less... Uh, <laughs> less intimidating? Yeah. A less intimidating Martin, Martin Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, for some reason, thought that he, I imagined him with sunglasses, and I knew that as soon as he took off his sunglasses, there was going to be another pair of sunglasses. <laughs> Just sort of that, you know, like the the major from The Long yeah. Walk, kind of this figure. And what does he really do? What's well, he about? What's interesting is that when they, eventually when they do meet face-to-face, the description that he, Ben, says when he sees him is that he doesn't look like a monster at all. Uh, he does not look like a man who's mastered the entire spectrum of fear. And I was like, that is the best tagline for a person I've ever heard. Oh, and that's the cool part is that he's not scary looking, but he's still 
scary. Yeah. And he's manipulative. Yes. And he's good at it. So this bluff has gone on back and forth. They're trying to stall for time. Ben's not letting it fly. He, He just keeps shouting how much time they have left. Time is up. He puts his car into gear and starts rolling. And they say, the girl talked. We know. Don't move. He doesn't change his pace. And no one fires a shot. Calls that last bluff one more time. And when he walks past the hunter, he does he shoulder check him? Yeah, I think yeah. They, they brush each other. I couldn't other. remember if yeah. he actually did or if I just made it up in my head. <laughs> yeah, they they like kind of bump each other as they go. Like they weren't going to move for each other as Ben walks into the plane. Uh, and that's when Evan tells him. Evan says that he's the best he's ever seen play the game. And he's kind of sad it's going to be over. But they're going to get the girl to talk. He knows it's a bluff. And she's going to say something. And he passes on the information that Ben has beaten the record for the running man. He's been alive eight days and five hours. And his reward is that McCone will personally kill him away from the cameras because the, he, he knows he's like, I'm going to give your death a little privacy as a reward for playing such a good game. And when, when he passes Evan, he tells him how much pressure he has on the pin. And he has the satisfaction of kind of spooking him a little bit. Yeah, he makes uh, he makes McCone like jump for a second mm-hmm. when he talks about that he's he's ready to go, which shows him that McCone is has a strong sense of self preservation. Mm-hmm. And just before they he gets on the plane, he's just like, uh, "Hey, you know, we're just gonna shoot you with a missile and blow this thing up, and we'll put an elaborate cover up." And that's when Ben's like, "Nope, we're gonna fly low over heavily populated areas." How Eat much, a dick, dick bag. How much do you guys want to bet that Ben only had that idea once it was pointed out to him that they would just shoot him? Yeah. <laughs> that was an, an so instant once again, response. Everybody helping Ben. <laughs> and he, so this is my one of my favorite things. He gets on the plane and meets the crew and he asks for a radio so he can call McCone. And they get connected and Ben says, get the woman and bring her here. You're both coming with me. <laughs> and you've got three minutes. I was like, that's ballsy as fuck. I was super into it. Yeah, it, it was really cool because he's he has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So and he knows he's going to die. Like, what does it matter right, right now or a couple hours from now? And, and basically says added no. uh, added protection because they they would kill McCone, but they'd be less likely to. Yeah. And he says, look, you don't don't argue with me. You don't have a choice. If you say no. The I'm I punked you out and everyone's gonna know about it so you have no choice come in and get on the plane he's playing the game yeah they get on board and they uh, they take off and Richards and Amelia sit in first class and he tells McCone to just go wherever he wants and she's just about to say that she never said anything she's just about to confide like be like I kept the secret and he immediately shuts her up because he knows that in the time they've had her, they've probably got her mic'd somehow Mm -hmm. and they're just waiting. Can I also, can I just remind us that he has a broken ankle, a broken nose. He's been shot in the stomach and the shoulder. shoulder. Yes. And he, he should be dead. (laughs) Yes, he should be dead. And occasionally when he does certain things, he's like, ah, it started bleeding again. Yeah. He keeps reopening the wound and he's, he's bleeding enough that she has blood on her. Yeah. They, the plane takes off. And in the air, Ben is like looking at there's a freebie in the the seat, uh, seat rest ahead of him. There's 
magazines. He's like just kind of taking in all of the things that there are because he wasn't really paying attention the first time he flew. And this is only the second time he's ever been on a plane. Ben gets a great idea. He grabs a pad and paper and instead of talking to her, writes down, you've been bugged. And I need but I need you to take this a step further. I need you in a little bit. Start freaking out and begging me not to do this. And it takes her very little prompting to freak out. <laughs> it proves that she that he's right, because as soon as she starts freaking out, McCone comes in because he thinks she's about to do something and gets her off. Yeah, the way. she says she's like, oh, I should just like and I should now. just jostle you and set off the explosive. Yeah. And that's when McCone comes in. And he's like, go get us coffee. <laughs> Don't do that. So, yeah, the his plan works shockingly well up to this point. And then McCone has the gall to offer him amnesty like he's going to believe it. Right. He's like, I'll tell you what, we'll just, we'll call it even. And he's like, and that, that's when Ben fakes him out with blowing him up again. And he like falls over himself into a seat and Ben just starts laughing. Kind of why I think the hunters are just like a face. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I do. I agree. Because I'm sorry, the hunters bad at their job they kind of suck (laughs) how many ways could they take him out without i I mean first of all there's coffee on board poison the coffee immediately i'm like oh i bet ben's not gonna drink the coffee because like it could be they set up this whole plane Right. But he's There's like, so no, many things. I drank two cups of coffee because <laughs> the, the plane keeps lulling me to sleep. He never, Ben never, never suspects any of the crew. The crew that was supplied by the hunters, mm-hmm. who we find out later is at least one at person least one on member, the crew yeah. is from the Games Commission. And did, am I wrong in this because again i was listening to it and sometimes that can be tricky mm-hmm. my impression that i got was that he he's not like questioning the coffee for example because it'd be really easy to figure out that he was poisoned and that wouldn't look good either like it seems like he's yeah, relying how on would that be to fake uh, right yeah. he I could have just succumbed to his wounds i guess i don't know what the what the reach of the network is oh you how assume. much information they have and how I mean, how much they can control like can they control the coroner's report if he well says he with poisoned? what we learn soon it must be very far reaching because when uh, Ben gets his offer they're they're uh they're able to cover up a lot of stuff yeah let's let's talk about the offer uh, after a while in the air the uh, the captain Captain Holloway comes over the comm and he says, "Hey, uh, the Games Federation wants to beam a message to us, so turn on your freebie." And he turns on the TV, and Dan Killian is there, and Ben goes, "Hey," and then he says, "Hi back," and Ben <laughs> freaks out. I was I thought he was gonna call the TV a witch and find it. I wasn't sure. Um, he and Killian says, "Look, I I can't see you, but." We're patched through the comms so we can talk. And that's when he says that he's the greatest contestant the show has ever had. He's been amazing, but he's he's dead now. Like, there's no end game once Mm -hmm. you're on this plane. Like, you have to land eventually. You're going to make a mistake. So let's make a deal. And that deal is to fly the plane to Harding, which is where uh, Co-op City is Mm -hmm. and the Games Commission is. A limo is going to be waiting we're going to televise a fake execution of you 
I wouldn't believe that for a second. Yeah, God, no shit. But then you're going to come work with us. To wit, McCone freaks the fuck out. Okay, I have a problem with that offer because how much cooler would it have been if the offer was, hey, this guy is such an awesome runner that he's like surpassed all of our expectations and now he's on our side. And instead of faking a kill, they like publicize Telifies his he turn. switched sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a heel turn. It's right. like when Stone Cold Steve Austin took a steel chair <laughs> well, and he hit the rock except- instead of Vince McMahon, who was his longtime rival okay. and he worked for the corporation. <laughs> okay, nerd. Let's, <laughs> let's chill out. Except it's the opposite of that because from the Games Commission's point of view, that would be uh, a face turn because oh that's true yeah it's a face turn you're right nerd whatever <laughs> <laughs> and this is when all of the information about this the bluffs fully all the cards on the table he says look we know like you passed sensors you don't have this stuff mm. you i i'm making this deal to you and uh we we could have done anything any of this at any time and McCone pulls out his gun immediately. Once he finds out there's no black Irish, <laughs> McCone puts a gun to his head and Killian stops him. And he says that uh, he it, McCone throws a temper tantrum basically because he's not allowed <laughs> yeah. to shoot Ben. Like, I want to shoot him. You're being mean to me. Uh, and then that's the reveal of Donahue, who was the navigation person as one of the, the games commissions people. And he takes McCone's weapon and he's like, look, we're all on the same page. Now we're going to prove it. Uh, Donahue just just reach in and grab the handbag that we all know is in there and Ben tries for one more fake out Donahue doesn't even give a fuck and just <laughs> reaches in and grabs the, the purse like alright now we have all our cards on the table there's no nowhere to go from here he offers the job not only as a member of the hunters but he's going to replace McCone as the head hunter because mm-hmm. he's he's the best is he going to literally be McCone, like uh, like CM? You said is it is this a Dread Pirate Roberts situation? I think so. Well, no. Well, I don't know because how public is it that he? Because McCone is washed up because Ben did that. Yeah, Killian says that. Is that public? I'm, I mean, I'm not it couldn't be because they're going much... to quote unquote execute Ben. So uh, I don't yeah, know. but I, I I guess I was thinking that the network was disappointed with how far McCone let Ben get. Yes, like you failed once he got on the plane, for example. I don't know, but this is a point where we get one of the most oh. heart wrenching moments. Mm-hmm. He mentions that no chief hunter has ever had a family, and Killian says, "Ben, your wife and daughter are dead. We They've been him. dead for over ten days." No. No, they didn't. What? Bullshit. They didn't kill them. I. They say. I believe them. I don't think. I don't think the Games Commission did it. Uh, Well. She was stabbed over 60 times. Like, that seems like. Yeah, I guess that's a real manic. Of of passion. There's no finesse. Uh, Well, was she? He said she was. They also don't have a reason to. Because, like I said, the, the. They. Killian tells him, he's like, listen, I know what you're thinking, but we didn't do it. We know no man would work for the people that slaughtered his family. Right. We get that. We're humans. I don't buy it because they want to take away everything he has. Any reason he would have not to do it, which could be a family. 
So of course they're going to say they we didn't do it. But they could have gotten the same reaction from saying, well, we're going to put them up someplace. We'll take he care of them. He says he would have made that we'll, offer had they we'll been alive. We'll take care of them. I'm, but if you back, if you double cross us, we'll kill them. And I know he said that. I think that, that would have been better leverage than just they're dead. Also, he's been on the run for eight days, which means if they've been dead ten days, they were murdered the day he was on TV. Because he had 48 mm-hmm. hours to start. Yeah. And so that means they were killed virtually the same day he was aired on The Running Man. See, I, I get where you guys are coming from, but I'm just going to take a different position. <laughs> that they, they did it, and they did it to take away any reason he would have not to come to their side. They want him to be hopeless. and Because, yeah. you know, you when you lose everything you care mm-hmm. about and love, you'll just say yes to anything. And they could have just lied about them being dead and said, yeah, we're going to put him up. And once he got there and they got him settled in, say, oh, eh, by the way, you know, they're dead. They didn't have to give him that information at that moment unless they did it for a reason. They were playing him, is my opinion. Hmm. I I think that's just really elaborate. But it's possible. I mean, they're, yeah, they've been doing things like this for years and years and years. So they are elaborate. Ben says he needs some time to think. Shuts off the free V. He has some terrible dreams. He thinks about his life with his family, all of the things he regrets. Did he ever think about using the money he was sending to like put a guard on his wife? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's a thing. Because everybody, and sort of now I'm arguing your guys' point mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of my own, but everybody, every desperate person who's hard up for cash knows that Sheila and Kathy, it's money's flowing in. No, they're not getting any money yet. They don't get money until it's over. Damn it, you're right. Crime of <laughs> passion. We go back to that. Yeah, but uh, about an hour or so passes. Ben turns the freebie back on, and Killian's still there, and he accepts the job. Uh, he'll join up, which I didn't believe for a goddamn second. Did either of you? I don't know because I don't really think. Ben had his final plan in place yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe for a second he thought, yeah, sure, why not? Because he's so lost. Mm-hmm. Like you've said, CM, he's lost everything. He thinks about how he's free from uh, morality now because yeah. he, he, why care about morality when there's nothing for you? Uh, it would be very easy for him to, and he thinks he would be good at it. Uh, He's probably got a natural talent for it. He says. Yeah. Okay, I, I switch. I'm with Ben. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think may, it's possible that in that moment he meant it um, because he, I, I don't think his final plan really solidifies until after he's accepted the job and he's free to walk the plane and he visits the cabin. And he's talking to the flight crew. And the flight crew are so happy. Yeah. They are like, oh, man, you did it. Welcome Great to the job. team. We were rooting for you the whole yeah, time. Yeah, we were honest. rooting for you the whole time. <laughs> and they're sitting around and, and celebrating. And Ben notices that the plane is steering itself mm-hmm. because it's on autopilot. And he sticks around for a while. Yeah. Asks a couple questions. They turn around and he's still there, just watching. Isn't yeah. that odd? I, I, I know what he's I doing. I think it's at that point <laughs> that he that changes he his mind. 
changes his mind. Well, maybe not even then, because after that, he goes and he has another cup of coffee. And a good cry. And cries and stares at this coffee machine, thinking about how uh, Sheila wanted this this coffee machine. But it's it was too expensive. Mm-hmm. They never could have ever had this. Uh, and after he finishes, he finishes his coffee, he stops crying. He pours the coffee out of the pot. He walks into the cabin and uh, beats the <laughs> navigator to death. Yeah, beats Donahue with the, yeah. the container. And also takes the time after killing him to pull the filters out of his nose. Yeah, he's got... <laughs> Wait, does it, I don't even think he pulls them out. He just looks at oh, him. Oh, yeah, I guess he just looks at him. He just, just like, grabs his head, which he's caved in. Ugh. And, like, looks in his nose. He's like, yep, there they are. And then he's like, okay. All right. Time to get to work. Mm-hmm. Takes his gun and he shoots the rest of the flight crew. Mm-hmm. At this point, McCone has come out and they fire off their guns at the same time. Ben, it's described as Ben takes off half of McCone's head. Mm-hmm. And, and he's st- somehow still alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's and a Gustavo Fring thing. Yeah. yeah. His head is just like, he's grinning. The chunk of his head is uh. gone. And McCone's shot hits him in the stomach and he can literally see his intestines, intestines now. falling out. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, McCone fires again. He pops off two more shots despite having only part of a head and catches him just below the collarbone while Amelia screams her head off. Can for we good tally reason. the wounds again right here? <laughs> so Ben has a broken ankle, a broken nose, a gunshot wound in his shoulder, and now two in his stomach, one of which are leaking his intestines. And two in, in the collarbone. shoulder. And, and, the oh, collar and now yeah. in the collarbone. So six pretty serious injuries. Yeah. And uh, Ben just shoves his guts oh. like physically pushes his intestines from back here in. to the end is torture the the it, description of ben's injuries is horrific this is true bachman <laughs> yes you can you can feel him dying yeah mm-hmm. he, uh he has to punch he tries to slap Amelia but he's so weak he can't do it so he has to punch her to stop her from going <laughs> that into hysterics that was such a weird <laughs> was very she's like weird. screaming and he's like he slaps her across the face it doesn't work very well and I thought that was just gonna be it but then he's like <laughs> and, he just, and then I punched her <laughs> punched her in the face <laughs> and he puts the parachute on her and she's like freaking out because obviously she's never I jumped know. out of a plane before yeah and he's like hold still he's like i can't like we're gonna the cabin pressure will suck out all my guts if i try to open this for you so you need you're gonna have to shoot it yeah it's it's pilot controlled yeah so she shoots the the cabin door twice and nothing happens and i can just cartoonish moment ever (laughs) i just picture this scene so clearly in my head of she fires it twice and then they stop and like look at each other and then the door bursts Boom. open and she just gets Sucks her sucked out. out. <laughs> and uh the last that's the last we hear of Amelia. Yep. So Which is uh, I'm sure uh, she's fine. I'm sure she's uh, yeah. fine. And uh the the rest of it just him struggling back to the cabin. As- when I'm sorry. When he talks about his intestines which he's tried really hard to keep inside of his body and failed catching on 
somebody's chin. Yeah, he pushes Holloway out of the chair and oh, he goes that- to climb in the chair and realizes he can't go any further because his That's- chin's on his intestines. That is not as bad oh. as there is a point when he gets to the cabin and he steps, steps on his oh, he, he steps God. on his intestines and he describes it as he steps on his dis- intestines and he feels something inside of him pull. Yeah. You never, you never want to feel anything no. inside of you, Paul. No. But he <laughs> and he describes that he his how he gets into the captain, the pilot's seat, he refers to it as his own Everest. Yes. Because it's he's and just begging, he's trying not to die with everything that he has. We he should not sh- have made it into that chair. Especially <laughs> considering that at this point we are in the final countdown. This mm-hmm. is like the T minus 10. 10 is like where we're at now. Yeah. And as he's going, like the plane just keeps going, dropping hundreds of feet and he's lowering it down. He's they're skimming uh, rooftops at this point. And he says he's coming straight for the games building. Yeah. As he crosses the canal, the, the tower is frantically calling him saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, five by and just <laughs> keeps going. And then it cuts from the cockpit into Killian's office as he looks out the wall-to-wall windows, which is one of the first things Ben mentioned about his office when he first meets his character, turns and he can only see the jet. And in that moment, he swears he can see Ben, face covered in blood and a grin, giving him the finger <laughs> because That's... Ben is the Texas rattlesnake Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and... I imagine Ben yelling, hell yeah, as he (laughs) crashes the jet into the game's building. The jet hits the building and explodes. And the uh, T-0 chapter just says that it rained fire for 20 blocks away. That is how the book ends. That, for some reason, that was so abrupt to me. I wanted more. I wanted to know the fallout. Yes, that. And then, I completely agree which, with that. I'm still going to argue we do know the fallout. The long, long walk. I could not help but think about this. I've been thinking about it all week. I completely concede my point. You are right. The long walk is a sequel. All right. Uh, now, before we get to our ratings, there's something. I'm so excited about this. Uh I've alluded to several times. Uh, I, I've come to the realization that uh, CM was right in episode one. Ben Richards is my Annie. Your Annie Wilkes. <laughs> ben Richards is my Annie Wilkes because I think Ben Richards is just a badass. And I am I think Ugh. he's so awesome. Gross. And so before we do we, our... We really, uh, before you go, we really cut out all the racist shit in the oh, second half of this right. book. Yeah, the book did not get less racist. No, it no. did not. We just, we just got wanted tired to talk of talking about, the about story. it. <laughs> yeah. um, so before we get to our ratings, I, I want to prove a point to you and that is once and for all that ben richards is stone cold steve austin so i had uh, a comedian that i know uh his name's chad ario who um recorded some choice dialogue from ben richards as stone cold steve austin fantastic and i'm gonna play you a few of these let's do this He reminded me of a kid I used to know. He liked to hide under the bleachers at school and whack off. The kid, I mean. I don't know what you doctors like to do. (laughs) (laughs) 
Somebody's going to eat their own balls for that picture of my wife. <laughs> you bastards. You want to see somebody die so bad? Why don't you kill each other? Ben Richards 316 says, <laughs> I just whooped your ass. <laughs> That's my favorite so far. Yep. I mean, can I get that as a ringtone? Yep. <laughs> All you people watching this, not the technos, not the people in the penthouses. I mean, you shits. You people in the developments, in the ghettos, in the cheap high rises. You people in the cycle gangs. You people without jobs. You kids getting busted for dope you don't have and crimes you didn't commit. Because a network wants to make sure you aren't meeting together and talking together. I want to tell you about the monstrous conspiracy to deprive you of your very breath. <laughs> that was very weird. <laughs> the, the, the what? That was like his thing. I am carrying 12 pounds of Dynacore high-impact plastic explosive in my coat pocket. The variety they call Black Irish. 12 pounds is enough to take out everything and everyone within a third of a mile Probably enough to explode the Jetport fuel storage tanks. If you don't follow my instructions to the letter, I'll blow you all to hell. A General Atomics imploder ring is set into the explosive. I have it pulled out half cock. One jiggle, you can all put your heads between your legs and kiss your asses goodbye. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> and God. so I rest my case. That is dumb as hell. <laughs> ben Richards, former WWF champion. That that's gonna make watching the movie interesting. <laughs> I can't wait. You mean disappointing? I, as <laughs> as much as I love Arnie, and as much as I love the movie, I. I won't disagree that I would have loved to see Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that I've, I've have, have securely won the argument uh, with no debate whatsoever, it's time that we get into our ratings. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first, as this was uh, my first time uh, reading and experiencing this book. Um, a lot of really cool things. I really like the action set pieces. I will say that... Uh, they're just certain things, and we discussed them that just didn't quite work out for me. A little too much Deus Ex Machina, um, a, a little bit of world building that didn't quite add up in certain places. And uh, for that, I think I'm going to give The Running Man uh, three out of five blue chambray shirts. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I'm sure. I want to like it. Uh, I always want to like uh, <laughs> King, but there was just a lot of stuff in here. There it wasted a lot of time in the first half of the book. I felt there was a lot of buildup to get to the action. Once the action kicked off, it, it really held my attention better, but Ben Richards sucks so much. The, the weird racism bits. Uh, I'll, I might have uh, really overshot, how racist the book is i agree that having finished the book now maybe it wasn't making a racist argument but i also think it didn't really have much to say at all you know uh so i i can't give it a three i have to say two out of five blue chambray shirts we've got a two and we've got a three Mm -hmm. oh don't let us affect your score cm I don't know. I'm so confused because I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Ben. I really want to like it. And I can forgive books mm. a lot of 
weird plot things. Not so much the racism part. That yeah, kind of, it sucks. That does something irreparable to the story for me. Um, otherwise, I think, and I'm still looking at it as an action book, which is a genre. <laughs> okay. Not a sci-fi book. Because it doesn't I, I can truly feel that. like a sci-fi I book. I can agree with that. Yeah. So thinking of it that way, um, I, I'd have to give it three out of five blue chambray shirts. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we watch the movie The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which might have very little to do with Hell this yeah. book, <laughs> except for the title and the main character's <laughs> name. For Joshua Khan, Benjamin Graham, I'm Sam Alexander, reminding you, say your name over 200 times and discover you are no one. Hey everyone, Sam Alexander here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Running Man. We want to give a special thank you to the podcast Three the Hard Way, who helped bring to life Josh's argument that Ben Richards is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Three the Hard Way is the best podcast you've never listened to. John, Mike, and Chad spend an hour or so each week discussing movies, television, comic books, music, entertainment, nerd culture, and more. Give Three the Hard Way a listen. As always, find us on Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. Send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Get some cool stuff from us on Patreon, like our Bloody Mike enamel pin, a t-shirt, bookmark, postcard, special ringtone, and bonus content. You can also show your support for free on iTunes by rating and reviewing us. We sincerely appreciate it. It's really the only way people are able to find our podcast because your reviews bump us up the chart. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.